Here we are again, the real dirt with Chip Baker. Well, I know I've said it before, but it always seems so funny to say it that way. It was just, uh, it's the way we developed it all. It's the real dirt with Chip Baker. It's, that's me. I'm Chip Baker. And uh, this is The Real Dirt. Thanks again for joining me again, guys. You're going to love today's episode. Today I have uh, Jeff from Little Hill Cultivators out of Trinity County, California. Jeff is a longtime friend of mine, and we, we often have these great conversations on cannabis and economy and the business of, of cannabis all over the country. He's been on the show several times. And he's he's actually been to every single Real Dirt studio. He's been to the the Molecule Studios in Humboldt County. He has been to the Denver Real Dirt Studios that's now defunct. This episode, we actually did it in uh, one of our greenhouses with plants in full bloom. It was a great episode. You're going to hear some sounds of the chickens and the dogs and the people in the background and we hope it sounds really good, but uh, we get into so much stuff on this episode, probably going to have to be a two-parter. I mean, we talk about California versus Oklahoma and regulations. Uh, we hear Jeff's opinion on Oklahoma. We talk specifically about drip irrigation and uh, different types of uh, flower manipulation. We talk about auto flowers. We talk about some current genetics that uh, he's running in California. It's just a great all-together episode. I, I know you're going to love it. We will have to make this one a two-parter, though, man. It is definitely a, a great one for it, though. So sit back and fire one up for this next episode of El Jefe, Oklahoma. Welcome to The Real Dirt once again. Here you are, today's special guest on The Real Dirt, Jefe from Little Hill. Say hello, Jefe. How's it going, folks? Uh, Hefe's been a, uh, a featured numerous times on The Real Dirt. However, mostly it's been via telephone, right? No, we've only had one telephone. One Skype. One Skype. Yeah. Right, right. Last Skype. spring. This spring. Uh, but then you visited The Real Dirt in The Real Dirt Studios in Denver. Yep. Yeah, and, and now, today, we are in a, a greenhouse full of ganja. It's the new Real Dirt Studios. What do you think? Uh, I like this one. Surrounded by plants. It's a, definitely an improvement, huh? Roosters in the background. <laughs> kind of like that better than the pitter-patter of Humboldt Rain. <laughs> that was one of our sessions. That was. That's right. Yo, you had a Humboldt session, too. You, yeah. You've been at every Real Dirt studio now. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're one of my most frequent guests now also with this Sweet. episode. So we're here uh, in Oklahoma. Oklahoma has become the new hotbed of cannabis growing, ganja growing specifically in the country. Uh, it's actually easier to get a license to grow ganja here than it is to grow hemp. Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? It's interesting how the most progressive state was... Only a few years ago, one of the worst states to get caught with ganja in. Yep. I think part of the attitude is, is anti-regulations. And when they adopted medical cannabis, it seems like those, uh, those values held over to cannabis. Yeah, it's definitely a business-first state. If you would describe uh, the, the political climate here, many people describe it as a red state, but it's actually fixing to be a green state. 
No, but it's very libertarian in uh, ideology. There's little regulations for good or for bad here in Oklahoma, no matter what you're doing. Oil and gas, building homes, building multi-tenant units in unincorporated areas. It's definitely not like California or Colorado in that respect. It's the polar opposite of California. In many ways, it is the polar opposite of California as far as the regulations are concerned. Yeah. So for those of you don't, who don't know, uh, Jeff here, he is, uh, operates Little Hill Farms in Trinity County, longtime medical cannabis grower, adult use uh, cannabis grower, and has been through one of the most uh, strictest regulatory systems in the country and survived. Let's get everybody give a little clap for <laughs> Little Hill here. Hey, what, what is your official designation? As far as your little little hill, little hill cultivators, little hill is the, cultivators on Instagram. The That's the DBA, it, yeah. and it is the Instagram as well. It is the Instagram as, as well. well. You can follow. Uh, you can contact me on there. I, I run my own account. I don't have a a team, as they say, air quotes on a team. <laughs> you could talk to me directly if you wanted. Yeah, and hey, feel, always feel free to uh, drop any of my guests a line when you, when they shout out their Instagram, their their Facebook account. They they actually do want to hear from you, uh, as we here at the Real Dirt want to hear from you as well. If you've got an idea about a story or you know a complaint or you know we really like it when people tell us we're doing a great job. Yeah, just drop us a line on Messenger, on Instagram DM, Facebook Messenger, and uh, yeah, we. We'd love to talk to you. I do have a team. Let me give a shout out to my team. Travis Crane, Crane Style, is in charge of uh, pretty much all the social media stuff associated with Real Dirt and Cultivate Colorado and Growers Potting Soil. Shout out to Travis. Chris is our editor, Christopher. Oh, I'm so bad with names, man. Isn't that embarrassing? I've been working with Christopher for... It's a couple of years and I can't quite place his name. Anyway, Christopher is our editor here. David Phipps. David Phipps also developed our theme music and is a constant consultant for style. That's David Phipps of SDS9. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to give a, a big shout out to the rest of my team, which are my listeners here. The people who give me their time and listen uh, to the Real Dirt, Real Dirt podcast. Well, I need to give a shout out to my crew then. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It's not that type of show. <laughs> Darren many, and Mike. How many people you got on your crew? Basically two. Two. Darren and Mike. Give it up to Darren, Darren and Mike. Mike. Best dudes. Best grow Joes. Best grow Joes ever. ever. Awesome. Couldn't do anything without them. And I appreciate them. And uh, treat, your, treat your workers well. That's all I got to say. Absolutely, man. You're nothing without your the people you work with. Yep. That's for sure. You, no matter how big or small you are, you're not anything without the people you work with. So, uh, hey, man, we've had just a little boring conversation here, but uh, let's let's get right into it. So you came to visit our second harvest here in Oklahoma. We set up a cannabis cultivation here in Oklahoma. Uh, we had an outdoor and then we've got uh, six, seven thousand square feet of hoop house right here. 
asked uh, Jeff to come over here and tell me what I was doing wrong. So let's just start at the beginning, Jeff, and tell me what I'm doing wrong. Oh, I think it looks pretty good for as late as you got in. Yeah, this is a September 3rd planning. It's tough to walk into somebody else's operation because they have their own ideas and schemes. And it's never how you would do it. But at the same time, you don't know all the details that forced them to do what they did. Good point. I like a lot of things about it. Setting up on the cheap. Figuring out how to do it as low as cost possible, I think, is uh, wise. Yeah, and we did do that here. This hoop we're in, we're in a series of uh, hoops that we we bent here with uh, our key Grojos, uh, Boxy and Wyatt. Keith and Wyatt and, and my wife Jessica and myself, we bent all these hoops. They're just uh, steel poles. You get a simple hoop bender and bend them. You got your irrigation set up well. Again, that's a Netafin product. That's one thing I always look look at is how other people are doing their uh, their irrigation, and usually my uh, come to the conclusion that uh, I'm doing it better. <laughs> so, you know. Okay, so so just let's describe this irrigation here, since uh, drip irrigation is the one conversation I have. It here. looks like you got two one gallon an hour drippers in each. Five gallon pot? In each five gallon pot. And one in the, are those, what size are those? Those are three gallons. And one in the threes. And one in the threes, yep. And that's Netafim drip irrigation. We use the pre made uh, one gallon whips with stakes. So it's really easy to install. Yeah, quick, quick setup, not a lot of hole punching. I yep. like that. I like that aspect of it. Yep. And uh, then we're, we're using their antibacterial three quarter inch supply line. So that is kind of the Gucci stuff to have. This is it's, Gucci, bro. It's the good stuff. This is the good stuff. It's in it, it's it's also man, drip's so cheap, man. It's yeah. really inexpensive. Right. I think uh I don't know. I bet we're probably about dollar fifty a plant. Yeah. To put it in. Wow. Well, I guess the way I would do it would be a little bit more expensive than that. But uh All right, well 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 how would you do this? So I like sprayers. Oh yeah. And totally. I use the I use those uh down down sprayers from Dripworks. And they spray maybe eight, eight or twelve streams in a circle. Sure. And you can kind of just adjust their height for and their pressure for how far you want them to spray, how how big a diameter or circle spray you want. And the downside to that is you have to cut your irrigation off into more zones because you're flowing more water than a dripper is, which definitely adds to price and possibly complications with timers and whatnot. Since you're going to have a whole lot of valves. Well, I actually prefer the sprayers. The three and a half gallon and the six and a half gallon sprayers. What, what, what size do you have? I think I run the smaller. I think I run the black ones. So I think that's the smaller. I'm a Netafim guy and your 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 Dripworks is local to you. Right. So you use Dripworks. But uh, I like the three and a half and the six and a half gallon sprayers from Netafim. They come in these same pre-made whips. You don't have to put anything together. don't have any moving parts. Nope. I do prefer those. But I actually didn't use those here because of exactly what you said. I have some simple battery-powered solenoid timers here, and I wanted to be able to run the whole garden in one zone, which actually didn't work, and I had to break it into two different zones. And that's why I chose these one-gallon drippers instead go. of the sprayers. But I prefer the sprayers, too. In a perfect world. Yeah. But sometimes you got to do with hey, what back, you Back to that conversation. Is, I don't know why you made that decision when I come into someone's garden. I don't know why they made a decision. Right. Exactly. Right? And like that, this one was. Sometimes you're forced to do or change your plan or. <laughs> 
looking You're forced into something. Cause yeah, because with the sprayers, reasons. also you need you need timers that can do more than just four times a day if you're concerned about a runoff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What t- what type of timers do you? Uh, switch between Galcon and Hunter timers. Mm-hmm. Seems like the uh, the shop I buy my stuff from is always switching. I think I like the Galcons a little more. They they seem to last two or three seasons as opposed to the Hunters, which last, you know, maybe one or two seasons. So they're just outside sitting in the sun all day. It's it's yeah. a hard life. We take them in in winter, but uh, you have sprayers, right? You have runoff. Uh, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. So I mean, so your your spray times are short. I think somewhere around twelve minutes is a gallon for us mm-hmm. in a zone. Mm-hmm. And that's what you spray like that at 12 minutes? 12 minutes is a gallon. And we usually do that twice a day or twice. We like to get water two gallons. So we do that. We'll do it twice. We'll run a cycle twice. And and you're in 10 gallon or 20 gallons? 20 gallon pots. 20 gallon yeah. pots. Not a whole uh-huh. lot of runoff. Sometimes you'll see some, but generally we're not trying to see it. Not trying to flush much right. out of the soil. I want to keep it in there. Yeah, totally. You can see in this garden that's been... One of my problems, I've had over over runoff. That's why the ground's a little muddy here and just drying out. And that's also why the plants are slightly yellow to the extreme runoff we've had here. I haven't been able to keep the nutrition in here. We've been trying to, we've, we, this is mostly an organic crop, organish. I've supplemented it twice with synthetic product. It's going to be some fine smoke, that's for sure. But, you know, also you look at it and you're like, oh, it's not like bright green. Some of them, it varies a little strain to strain. I think that's an, it's a good reason, oh, true. good argument for more zones is you can oh, yeah, absolutely. Put, a, put a strain on a zone and, and, and water it how it needs it as opposed to hitting yeah. your whole garden at once. Well, yeah, you can see those ones up front, the small pots and the three-gallon pot and the three-gallon ones. Like they're pretty, they're, they're yeah. much greener than yeah. these. Cool. They're in five gals and the buds look great. And also my experience is that a, I don't see enough yellowing guardians towards the end of flower either. You definitely want to make sure that plant's metabolizing all those extra nu- nutrients it's stored or else you're going to end up trying to be trying to smoke that and it's going to it's going to kill the flavor, maybe hurt the burn quality. Yeah, where where are you on flushing? I run two crops out of a 20 gallon pot. We we might top dress a couple of times. Oh, so you're just water the whole time. Pretty much just water oh, okay. besides yeah, like totally. some compost tea. If if I have to liquid feed, I have some organic. Uh, so you don't flush? I, I don't want to say I don't flush. Sometimes I think the plants need it the last two weeks to, okay. to flush out the available nutrients. Is it the first run or the second run where you feel be like the that first run. It's always the first run. Right? Give the zone a flush maybe two weeks before. It helps them yellow out you're just flushing out what's soluble. You're not going to flush out, you know, other stuff that's in there and it'll become available later for that second run. And I do get a good yellowing off. I think the plant knows for some reason that it needs to waste time, stop wasting time, uptaking nutrients. It just seems to flush itself. If you let the plant just run its natural course and it'll dictate what it wants to take up rather than forcing certain things synthetic wise into the plant. No, you're right. The plant does take up what it needs. Uh, however, um, you're pretty strictly organic, right? Pretty strictly. Pretty strictly. What yeah. do you use? Do you use anything that's inorganic or, um, or inorganic? Hey, hey, hey. I don't anything know. Anything that's not certified organic fertilizer by some agency? I don't believe so. 
though I'd have to check a little harder. I know once uh, the organic regulations come out with the CDFA, which they're working on a comparable to organic program, I'm definitely looking to abide by that and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and get certified. Something I've wanted for quite a while. Yeah, totally. Well, this is our grower's high porosity soil and it has a calcium nitrate in it that's not organic. Right. But yeah. it also has lime and gypsum, but a calcium nitrate just, man, man it just makes cocoa happen. Right. Right. It really does. And uh, then we use the Geoflora product from Geo Planters, their organic top dress. Have okay. we talked about this? I don't know. You should check this out, man. Maybe. You're, you're, uh, it's not a dust product, it's a granulated product. So it's really safe for your um, employees. Yeah, keeping the dust down would be a nice thing. Right. And it actually works pretty good. I think their application rate is a little off. I think you should. You know, they've they've got like, you know, so many ounces per gallons of soil or per cubic foot of soil. And they want you to do it every two weeks. I think I probably uh, get as much in there as I could as possible at the beginning is the better way for me to do it. Yes. Give it more time to break down. Yeah. Give it more time to break down. But it's real low application rate. And we really literally just put a handful on all these plants. Right. And then they got two synthetic fertilizations. And right. do you think the or top one dress, so far? One so far. Do you think the top dress is able to get washed into the soil through well, the, by the drippers? No, no, we we hand water it in. Oh, gotcha. We hand water it in. Gotcha. Totally. So we initially these all all these this is a, a thousand plants or something. They were all in one shade house, and we were hand watering them, and so it was, it, we just top dressed them when gotcha. we pulled them out, hand watered them in. No, and then we also also top dressed them a few days ago, like at day twenty one. We're at day thirty now. Now we're going to give them a synthetic fertilization and then water after that. They look like they want it. Some of them. Yeah, well, you know, when they go yellow or pale like this at this stage of flowering, there's no going back. Right. Right. You just got to go forward. But the buds look great. The buds are developing fine. You know, I mean, they they definitely are. Uh, Man, this purple punch over here just looks incredible for four weeks. She's a pretty plant. Yeah, they're 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 definitely well developed for four weeks. I don't say I necessarily have a method, but in containers like small containers like this, that synthetic fertilizer definitely works. Organics and living soil, these smaller containers don't work as well. We were talking about this earlier when we were talking about teaming with nutrients, right? Teaming with microbes. Teaming with teaming microbes. With nutrients. Yeah, great books. Yep. If you haven't read them, you should read them. Team with microbes, team with nutrients. Uh, there's some great graphs and diagrams that really uh, explain a lot of soil science to the the lay people, the beginning farmer. There's a great one in there uh, with a barrel and and nutrient consumption. One of the first few pages that details how your nutrient uptake is limited by your availability of your nutrients. Right. Right. That if you're off on one nutrient, then, you know, you could be just because you're off, you're, you don't have enough availability of, of that one nutrient, it might inhibit your availability of other stuff as well. Right. It's a great little chart. Yeah, you're only going to get so big and so fast and so healthy with first start with your, your, your macronutrients, make sure those are there, mainly nitrogen. And then as you go up, your plant's going to be growing faster, growing, mm-hmm. yielding more. Mm-hmm. Until you can just eliminate all those, all the all the limiting factors, nutrient wise, right? And then after that, we were saying, 
container size is going to be your, your biggest limiting factor. I think the 20 gallon size that you're using is about the perfect size, 15s and 20s. Yeah, right? I mean, 20, it's, and I'd say it's like maybe slightly on the small side, but. Oh, really? Just are, you, for, are you shooting for half pound plants in that? I'm or? shooting for half pound plants. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily always get there, mm-hmm. but I get close. That's because you're, you you're, know, you're, you need to veg more. Spacing, veg time, all yeah. these things. Um, I mean, veg time's a killer. Right. In California, the regulations on all the square footage makes it difficult with the vegging. Yeah. I mean, you have a square foot, square footage, uh, limitation and, uh, your basic, you can grow any way you want any plant, plant numbers you want. And I've run pretty low plant numbers in my greenhouses comparatively to, to other folks. I know I'm always more and more. You always sure. And I'm just like, man, I, I can't produce a thousand cuts of greenhouse. I just can't do it. With the nurseries coming online, it's going to be become a little bit, little bit easier to 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 reach those uh those clone counts. But you know, not having a a mother room and being regulated and following regulations has definitely made some challenges. And you know, still waiting on some things to get built out. Yeah, man, the regulations are great for growing cannabis here in Oklahoma. That's for sure. Well, ganja specifically, but you know, even hemp. After you get through the application process, is fairly regulatory free. Nice. I don't think this is a bad thing. Many people want to regulate this industry to the death. You know, uh, man, we we have to have some sort of, of freedom to, to bend and flow because this is a plant. This isn't a bakery, yeah. right? We can't, it's hard to do the same thing the exact same way every single time, right? We, we talked about this the other day. It's like, you know, you were like, man, my greenhouses yields very widely. Widely, yeah. You know, and, Season to season, strain to strain, you know, good runs, bad runs, late runs, early runs. Mm-hmm. It's tough to say this amount of square footage needs to yield this much, especially when your environment's not controlled and you're just running open hoop houses. Yeah, right. So it's farming. Some years you get you get the canopy right, you get the 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 hit the environment right, and it. I mean, it's impressive. Even yeah. at the yields here, man, and these these hoops, uh, we're off on maybe some of our plant count. We just put whatever plants we had in here. The one next door to us, I think, think seems to be spaced better. The one on the very front side, I think, is probably the most efficient with the numbers and the way it's it's packed in there. Uh, but five gallons to three gallons. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a perfect point to take a break. Uh, let's take a break. These new episodes are made possible through some really awesome partnerships. We want to form long-term relationships with other entities who have similar goals. Thanks to Grower Soil, a line of soil and nutrients manufactured and developed right here in Colorado. Also, thanks to Cultivate Colorado with two stores in the Denver metropolitan area. Cultivate has one of the largest selections of indoor horticultural equipment in the known universe. So stop by if you have any growing needs. Grow your dreams, cultivate your legend. That's right, Real Dirt. It's the Real Dirt with Chip Baker. I'm gonna have my guest today, Little Hill Cultivators, El Jefe. Hey, I want to uh, thank Cultivate Colorado. Uh, if you uh, are a fine supporter here of us at the Real Dirt, if you're interested in any hydroponic equipment, any indoor organic equipment in Oklahoma or Denver or throughout the known universe, because we do ship, check us out at cultivatecolorado.com, cultivateokc.com. 
give any one of our stores a call and we'd be glad to chat with you. No matter if you're a one lighter or 1000 lighter, we, we, we probably will have a really great conversation. Stop by 10th and Meridian. That's uh, 1101 North Meridian Avenue in Oklahoma City or 6400 Stapleton in Denver or 666 Bucktail in Denver, Colorado. A little promotional plug there. What do you think? You got three stores in Colorado? No, I got two, but two. one's here. I, oh. One address here. There's one in OKC. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, three stores. Uh, man, I really, I have have a renewed vigor in uh, the hydroponic industry coming here to Oklahoma. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's been great, man. I, you know, I meet all these incredible farmers, incredible first timers, incredible old timers, uh, imports, expats, uh, all kinds here in Oklahoma that come into the shop and, you know, introduce themselves and get to talk to them about their farms and their cannabis and, and, and what they're growing, hemp or ganja. Man, it's been really, really refreshing. Nice. They're probably stoked to be free finally and be able to do what they're so paranoid and probably had so many sleepless nights doing, mm-hmm. especially in Oklahoma. They can, they can come out and talk about their passion and, yeah. and just not have to worry about, you know, their whole life getting turned upside down because of a plant. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, and, and, and there's so much just yearn for information here and people want to talk and share and, Sometimes it's a pain in the ass because we do operate a business and we've got multiple customers and, you know, I enjoy hearing the old time stories and the like new time stories, but like, it's kind of a pain in the ass to have to run the business and I can't just like, you know, sit and chat, right? Right. (laughs) About growing with the customers. Man, well, I can, if you, if you hit me on the DMs, I'll, I'll talk about growing all day. Oh yeah. There, there you go. There you go. Well, you know, online it's a different story and, and I have a few people, I have a few people to get back to right now, but I uh, just get so busy. Sorry. Hey, if I haven't gotten back to you, I'll get back to you real, real quick, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what do you, what do you think so far about Oklahoma? I got to tour around a little bit yesterday. It's flat. It's got a lot of dispensaries, man. More dis- I saw more dispensaries, and that's while driving, just noticed, than pretty much anywhere else I've been. Because they're spread out. They can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as I guess it's zoned right, it, they, they can't tell you you can't set up there. Exactly. That's, that's so refreshing to just, hey, I own this land. This is where my crop's going to be. I'm planning. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You don't have to go get cleared by 50 different agencies all with their hand out to, to set up shop. Shout out to Fish and Game. Shout out Department to, of Natural to the Water Resources. Board and Fish shout and Wildlife. Out. And shout out the water departments. The planning yeah, departments. Planning departments the building out there. Department, yeah. The Board of Soups, the planning commissions. Thank you. Thank you guys for keeping it regulated. CDFA. And, oh man, the list, the list goes on. Would you consider uh, this a successful regulatory market? I think it's really early, but you're talking Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of places in business. So I said, possibly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the barrier to entry is low and that's what's drawing people in. Mm-hmm. And that's what everybody's been complaining about in California is the barrier to entry is way too high. If you didn't already own mm-hmm. land and have a bunch of money or 
or just happen to be in the right situation, you're going to get left out. It costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to set up a legal operation for most people in California. Yeah. Hundreds. You know, and most people don't have that. And maybe not just at once, but over time, because you keep paying for it. Or there. they had a business going and they had to move it because of some regulation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And they were already so like, oh, I got to sell my property, which isn't valuable for growing legal ganja anymore. And mm-hmm. I have to go buy one that is, which mm-hmm. is going to be even more expensive. I'd say uh, it's definitely drawn a lot of people out here. And I think more people, I know I know, I have people waiting in California to hear about what I thought because they're thinking about coming out here because they're so frustrated with uh, with the limitations of, of California's regulated market. They've restricted it slightly here recently in August for residency requirements. So uh, now you have to, uh, if you're if you're not a resident of Oklahoma after August 23rd or something, you have to be here for a two-year time period or some other little, like, you know, caveat, I forget. But it's basically if you used to live in Oklahoma and tried to move back, then you could do that. but Or, or you just own 25% of the business. Right, and that's the other way is, is you can come in, you own 25% of the business. And man, you know, initially, like we didn't get any hate at all from being outside of the the community and non-Oklahomians. I mean, we got driver's license and taxes now. We're Okies, right? Like I always just, I, I don't believe in that locals only thing. So you know? it's kind of, yeah. I mean, that's always, that's always, local communities always want to do that to maybe help out their own but uh, i guess it made sense if you got here sooner and that's okay if you got here sooner than everybody else you know the real thing though is it's hey man i'm sorry if i'm gonna hurt your feelings guys ganja growers everywhere but it's the arrogance and it's the the ego that people get with ganja growing right it's the greed that happens when there's a small market and then it becomes a bigger market you know, in the smaller markets, the existing players, they don't have to, they don't have any competition. So anything they put out is great and their customers love them for it and say it's great. And then in this market gets bigger, if they don't, you know, increase the quality of their product, increase their customer service, you know, then they get pissy that regulatory environment or, you know, somebody else down the street stole their customer and they were from Ohio or, or whatever it is. The fact of the matter is, is Oklahoma didn't have a previous large cannabis history, right? Ganja history. There's not as much of a ganja culture here as, as in other states. And Oklahoma needed that injection of intellect, experience, and capital to make their industry successful. And that's why the legislators made the initial rules only be 30 days. So that people could come in here immediately from other states, inject millions of dollars into the economy immediately. Because they knew that if it was just left up to Oklahomians, most of them wouldn't be successful. Most of them would have to start on a very small level. You know, they wanted the industry to grow faster, right? And then once it grew faster, they shut the regulations down, right? And made it where you had to be a two-year resident. And I, I mean, I think you should have some sort of barrier to entry. Don't get me wrong, but we're all Americans here, man. I don't think that any American should be shut out of any state to do any business. That's capitalism. I don't think there's any prerequisite for or 
any other industry. Can you say of another industry where you have to be a quote unquote resident of the state? No, there's there's no other industry like cannabis mm-hmm. as far as regulations go. There's no certainly no other agricultural crop that's been regulated. There, we wouldn't have any food on our in our grocery stores if if anything was reg, any any agricultural crop was regulated like this. <laughs> You're one hundred percent right. And people say people say, oh, you know, alcohol. Well, alcohol is regulated, but not the crop. Crops right. Aren't regulated. Crops not regulated. I can nope. go grow as much barley, hops, or grape as I want. That's right. unregulated. Right. Right. And I know there's. You know, technically, I mean, this is a different plant. The like, you know, the active constituents are, you know, present in the plant very, very, very young. So it, I do see some sort of regulation, but man, it needs to be like tobacco used to be kept small, five acres, four acres, whatever, like the, the small number is. That's how I would like to see the regulations go. Right. Cause they're going to here in Oklahoma specifically. By allowing people to grow as much as they can, it's gonna it's gonna flood the market pretty quickly. Yeah, pretty quickly. Everybody's filling it out this year. It's gonna flood the market, and they're gonna blow it out next right. year. It doesn't take that much, Mm-mm. man. You know, I bet if we put our heads together and we went and grew fifty acres of ganja, that that would be most of the needs for the state of Oklahoma by the patients. That would be for, yeah. for smoking quality. That's 100 acres. And I bet it's even smaller. The price dips. The patients will smoke more. Rarely does the price change to the patients. Rarely. It should. It should. But like rarely, like in, in Colorado, it has a little bit. And in Oregon, it has a little bit. Has, yeah. it, has it in Washington? I don't know about Washington. I could it's say. cheap in Oregon. Not too much in California because of those added excise taxes. Yeah, I mean, and it's expensive here, you know. The the taxes are, are 15% here. Plus sales tax. Fuck, you know, that's something I should be, like, more up on. Yeah. So we've seen some weed. We, we looked at some weed earlier today. Yep. Right, you're looking at some weed right now. What's your, what's your impression of the uh, grow environment here? Let's start there. Well, from what I've seen weather-wise, it's definitely possible to grow some weed out here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't here all summer when it was 100 degrees, but... Uh, Plants like it fine as I long as you I think it just comes down to the farmer knowing the plant and, and knowing the environment and just being ready to adjust as need be. That's that's farming. Yeah. And if you know the plant, you, you'll figure it out. Yep. It's hot. It's windy. In many places, it's rainy and humid here. There's many, many microclimates. Yeah. You know, I had somebody say to me, when I moved here, it's like, oh yeah, in California, you got all those microclimates, and I mean, I think they're everywhere. Right? <laughs> they're, they're everywhere. Sure they're just, everywhere. The topography's different right? every, I mean, over each hill. Yeah, where we are here, we're on a ridge. There's a slight breeze. It is warmer, less humid than it is like uh, 60, 70 miles from here. Hmm. If you go east, uh, more rain, more humidity. Yeah, man. Honestly, we're 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 at 40, 50 percent humidity. Most, most of the time. Yeah. Today, I think I walked out and it said 46% humidity and 41 degrees. So it was a little cool. A little cool. Right? A few days ago, it was 91 and 50% humidity. Cannabis kind of loves that. Ganja loves that. What's the potential for catastrophic crop loss due to weather during the summertime? Oh, man, I think that's reality for sure. And I mean, you've got all kinds. You've got infrastructure loss. 
Like, I mean, there are tornadoes here. Tornadoes. You know, tornadoes are real here. And the winds associated with tornadoes are real. And they might not call it a tornado because it's not like cycloning or funneling. Uh, but man, we windy as windy a bitch, dude. Yeah. Damn. Just like loss of infrastructure. Uh, I've, I, I know like, you know, people lose fences, fences, greenhouses, buildings, outbuildings wow. in the severe weather. There is definitely lightning storms here. There's rainstorms. There's there's flooding. There was severe flooding here this summer in wow. June. You know, and that's kind of why we 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 actually got in this place kind of late is because it was flooding, <laughs> and we wanted to make sure like the place we got wasn't Didn't flooded. Flood, right? And you know, we we got that man. Sweet. I mean, you see a little runoff here or there. So uh, yeah, you mentioned the uh, word for the day is grojo. Grojo. Let's explain a grojo to uh, our our audience here. Uh, I think they'd be your main dudes. Your your main dudes, your workers. Yep. Right? The grojos are the growers, and they take instruction from the head grower, the head cultivator. Right? Sure. And then there's workers that work under the grojo. Yeah, definitely. The right. grojos more or less know... Your SOPs already kind Mid-level of... Mid-level management. Yeah. They do a lot of the hands-on stuff. They do a lot of the day-to-day -day stuff. They're good growers in themselves and... Should be. They should be. And they work with people well. They can direct people when you bring on, say, you know, a few more temporary people for for big work pushes. Mm -hmm. um, they can they can run those crews. They can, you know, teach them all how, how you want things done and... It basically allows the the head cultivator or the owner to to run the business. Yeah, I mean, I'm at my farm less now than I ever was before because I have to go. Well, first my farm's remote, so it's a it's a full day trip if I have to go anywhere. But if I got to run two hours to the county seat or two hours to distribution, you know, that's that's basically a round trip wise. That's all day. Yeah, and then you factor in construction on the roads it is a pain in the ass i drive a lot but that's what i have to do to run my business logistics supplies if i can't get it delivered i i gotta go get it i mean anybody who thinks they live in a remote location northern california is 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 one of the most rem remote places in the country for sure the distance between gas station stores towns the, the time the driving drive time, time is the, is the it's, distance the quality it's, of the roads yeah the, like, i might be 15 miles away from a store but man it, it's still going to take me a half hour to get there yeah <laughs> and that and you're and you're pissing your neighbors off and that's just down your and that's road. just a mountain you know general store that's not costco or you know, a grow store, you're, you're paying a premium if you just go to the, that mountain store. And there's there's places like that all over the country. The sheer population that lives. Especially in, the summer population. The summer population. Yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about the California market, man. You know, this is something we, we always talk about. And, uh, you know, everybody predicted this total crash in the California market, uh, except for Chip. Um, <laughs> and because I saw what was going on. And what was going on was the increased bureaucracy that was running out growers as well as new um, uh, interdiction tools that were shutting down private market or free market growers and the push for hemp all pushed for less weed to be grown in California this year. Man, I didn't see it coming. 
But uh, yeah, this early, early spring, even winter, February, March, there was basically no more weed to be bought, bought or sold or transferred or however they do it. Really, both markets were like that. The reasons for it are interesting. I didn't see it coming, but I mean, there's several factors. The interdiction, the letters that were sent out, code enforcement. Oh, hey, hey, let's let's start right there with code enforcement. So for, for years and years and years, Humboldt, Mendocino, Trinity, rural California, they all struggled with getting people to uh, come into compliance with building codes, especially like the extreme, you know, earthquake building codes that we have in California. Yeah. Right. And with uh, the, the passage of uh, the new legal cannabis in, in California, legal ganja in California, it allowed local governments to come in and say, hey, you're operating a business that's uh, not in zoning compliance and we're shutting you down. Right. And this actually worked to shut ganja growers down. Pretty much. I mean, also the fact that you're operating a business and you don't have a business license now for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. So you had the opportunity to go legit and you haven't. So now we're shutting you down. Right. And, and they have. Tell us what these letters look like. What are these? I, I haven't gotten one myself, but. And I'm not in Humboldt, but basically. I've gotten one. Basically, you got mm -hmm. one? I got one. You're not even growing. I know, man. I had a, I had greenhouses we were building on Oh, they sent property. one to everybody with a greenhouse. Yeah, totally. Even if they were empty, even if they had fruit trees in them. Yeah, totally. And that they, happened. They, they tried to make us take it down, but like we, you know, we, we're, we're trying to get all these stuff permitted. Sure. And, you know, so they, they realized we were doing... You know, we were we were in, we were doing right. We're in the right. We we're working your way towards working our way through it. Yes, yeah, so these letters look something like this, dear Mister Jackass, because that's how you feel when you get one of these letters, right? Like you're operating a business that is uh, not in compliance. You need to get this business into compliance within ten days, and if you don't, then we're going to charge you nine thousand dollars a day for 30 days and then after 30 days we're going to charge you nine hundred thousand dollars or put a lien against your property for nine hundred thousand dollars so uh it's best you contact us immediately <laughs> yeah that gets expensive quick it does get expensive quick and you know in humboldt too Mail services rule. It can be days for overnight. You know, it could easily take 10 days for you to get your mail, 20, 30 days yeah. for you to get your mail. Or you just don't visit your post office box every day. Yeah, exactly. Because it's 30 miles away. Yeah. Right. 50 miles away, whatever it is. Yep. Right. When this happens and people like shut down or uh, shut down and move on. Or they try to come in, some try to come into compliance. Some might try and come into compliance. I think a lot of people got properties that are vacant. Mm -hmm. And that's also contributed to the the market making a comeback as there is just massively less weed grown. Oh man, in one of my old stomping grounds, I heard last year there were 40 letters sent out. I didn't even know there were 40 parcels that people lived at out on uh, 8 Mile. Yeah. Oh. Right. You know? Yeah, my, I, I know a guy with a place out on 8 Mile. He got a letter from the water board and basically just told him, hey, man, I'm under 2,000 square feet. You don't have any jurisdiction. And they oh, left sweet. him alone. Oh, well, there we go. His greenhouses are enclosed. Yeah, stay back. His square footage is under. He's not near any creeks. Yeah, stay back. Well, he's one of the few. It's hard not to be in a creek near a creek in Humboldt. It's hard, yeah. Right. 
Oregon too. Oregon was a source of a ton of fucking weed. Yeah. So that first year legalization in Oregon brought down an absolute tidal wave. Mm. Now we know what the rest of the country felt like when Cali harvests and the flood moves east. Now <laughs> we got we got a taste of our own medicine because Oregon harvested and a tidal wave of cheap mid grade to low grade pot came down from Oregon because well there's reasons but well tons of people moved up there they didn't really yeah. know what they were doing but it was like a good opportunity and, and, and then to grow it at scale like yeah, that's like difficult to do and maybe a grower grew you know 500 pounds which is a good crop but but the next year they did an acre Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly that's which is a, was a whole lot more oh, and man. uh it collapsed the price two three years ago all right, well, we, we kind of had a really uh, good part one on that episode with Jeff from Little Hill Cultivators in Trinity County. and We're going to get more into that episode next week on the part two of this episode. We really appreciate you joining us. We really appreciate you listening. Thank you for all the questions that you, uh, that you ask on our Instagram. Thank you for being involved with our social media, our Instagram, and The Real Dirt. Without you, there'd actually be zero reason to do this. So thank you so much. Join us again for another episode of The Real Dirt by downloading it on iTunes. Uh, Subscribe, please download all the episodes that you haven't heard. Some of them are great, some of them are better. Some of them are good. We try not to put any bad ones out. Thank you for giving us your time. And yeah, we'll see you next week on this part two of El Jefe Visits Oklahoma. 